The sermon I hope to read to you is uh, by the Reverend John L. Van Popta, and the text he has chosen is from Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6. Matthew 7, 1 through 6, where we, re- where we read, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. In response to the sermon, let us sing from Psalm 43. Verses 1, 3, and 4. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, have you ever had a speck of something in your eye? Maybe sawdust on the construction site or sand while playing on the beach or a bug while out out biking? I'm sure most of us would say yes. My own personal experience years ago was getting metal filings in my eye while working in a warehouse. That was one of my more painful experiences. Just as a speck of ground metal in the, just a speck of ground metal in the eye, but yet very painful. That little speck was completely distracting, painful, and debilitating. I couldn't see out of that eye. I couldn't keep it open, and it hurt like crazy to to close it. The first aid man couldn't see it. But in the hospital, doctors used all sorts of magnifying equipment and dyes to find and remove that speck of metal from my eye. Needless to say, how thankful I was for that doctor and his tools to remove that speck. However, I'm not sure I would have felt confident in his abilities if there had been a two-by-four sticking out of his eye. Just imagine him trying to get that bit of metal out of my eye with a board sticking out of his. It's quite a hilarious picture, picture. Even if the doctor had a wood chip in his eye, it would have rendered him nearly blind and unable to help. It would have been a sorry sight, I'm sure. Jesus uses this as his example about just dealings between people. Don't judge lest you be judged, Jesus says in our text. The measure you give is the measure you get. Get the board out of your own eye if you want to help get the speck out of your brother's eye. In summary, what Jesus is saying, don't judge too quickly. Yet Jesus also says there are dogs and pigs. Know them for what they are. Discern and judge. 
Don't give your treasures to dogs and pigs. So first he says, don't judge. Then he says, judge carefully. What should we make of this? Does Jesus teach us to judge or not? To discern or not? That is the question before us this afternoon. My theme is, to judge or not, what should we do? In the first place, we'll see of bits and boards, and in the second place, of pigs and pearls. Our text begins, do not judge so that you will not be judged. This is the fifth beatitude in summary and in reverse. There we learn that the merciful will receive mercy. Further, in Matthew 5, we learned of Jesus' interpretation concerning anger, revenge, and hate. In Matthew 6, we are taught how to pray, forgive, as we have forgiven. In chapter 6, verse 14, we learn that if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. In chapter 9, verse 13, Jesus says, But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. In another place, he says, If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. In Matthew 23, verse 23, we read, But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. This passage, in a sense, is a commentary on all the others we have mentioned. Mercy, not sacrifice. That is to say, don't neglect the weighty matters because you are too busy concerning yourself with the least important. Congregation, justice, mercy, faithfulness. This is the heart of Christian living. In every way, Jesus is clear. This is what life is all about. Let's look again at our text. Don't judge, lest you be judged. But this does not mean have no discernment, or don't think about right or wrong, or about the truth and the lie. We need to heed the warnings that Jesus gives to watch out for false prophets. John teaches us to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. So we are to be judging all the time. Jesus is using shock and awe tactics here to make his point, and we better take him seriously. If you condemn others for their lives, God will condemn you. If you think that brother or sister so-and-so is such a bad person for his or her sins, then don't be surprised in the day of judgment that God uses the same measure. If you think that you can discern the errors of others and then condemn them, Jesus says the same will be done to you by his Father. What Jesus is saying here is this. Temper your judgments with mercy and faithfulness so that true justice can be done. The kind of judgment that we need to surrender is the act of condemnation. We are not to condemn or join in condemning anyone rashly and unheard. Catechism says, We are forbidden to damn and condemn. We need to change our perspective. Often we think we are better than others, 
The way I raise my family is better than brother, that brother and sister. The way I live is better. Look at that marriage. Huh. Look at their kids. Look at that boy's shoes, the way he's dressed on Sunday. What's wrong with his parents? Look at that brother. He clears snow on Sunday. And that girl, she has funny colored hair. And that guy over there, he has tattoos. We spend all sorts of time condemning and judging and joining others in doing the same. We need to change, brothers and sisters. We need to change. We need to repent of this attitude. And many of us will look down at others and say, I faithfully attend Bible study, but she doesn't. I have a much clearer view of biblical truth than that, than that narrow-minded person. Or, he's such a liberal, and we go through life judging others. Or we think that that church or that congregation is so backwards. Or that the Christian Reformed are so liberal. I've not heard it lately, but I've heard it before. What's that brother doing at the Lord's Supper celebration? Isn't his sin much too serious to allow him? And there we sit at the Lord's Supper, thinking about that sinner over there. But Jesus says, Oh, oh, look in your own heart. There's a beam in your eye. With that attitude, you can help no one. You'll be a complete failure in edifying anyone. There's a board in your eye. Rather than standing there in your righteousness, thinking that you can call the sinner over to your holy position, we need to change our attitude. That's what we do, maybe not physically, but certainly in our talk. You there, you sinner, you unbeliever, come over here. We've got it all together. But we need to change, for with that attitude, we only demonstrate that we have really big boards in our eyes. Rather, we need to go to the sinner, stand by the brother or sister, find solidarity with him or with her, and point him or her to the cross. Say to the sinner as you stand beside them, let us go together as sinners to the cross. Let us follow Jesus. Let's lay down our lives together. Let's engage in self-sacrifice together. Let's join together in this pilgrimage to the new Jerusalem. For I too am a sinner in need, even more than you. Let us crucify our old natures and strive to look like Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we must never stop striving to be more and more renewed and conformed to the image of God's Son. That means that as new people of God described in this Sermon of the Lord, we may never stop trying to more and more look and act like Jesus. So many people who go about accusing others of sin are only projecting and condemning their own sins on and in others. Blessed are the merciful, they will receive mercy. Condemned are the condemning, judged are the judgmental. Damned are the hypercritical and complaining. This is a hard word from Jesus, for we are all guilty of this sin at some level. For even now, right now, as you hear this sermon, let none of us be thinking, I'm not like that, but I know someone who is. For then we are ignorant and guilty of the very thing Jesus is speaking of. Let none of us be thinking, I'm not like that, but I know someone who is. 
I confess that it was hard for me as I wrote this sermon not to be thinking of others and their sins. But if you are thinking that right now, don't turn your head too quickly because that board sticking out of your eye might whack someone. Jesus goes on, the measure you use will be used on you. If your measure of grace is small, that's the best he deserves, then don't be surprised by the small measure of grace that you receive from God and from others. If you have big measuring cups of disapproval, you'll get the same back. If you go through life with really small bits of mercy, I think you get the point. In a sense, Jesus is saying, what goes around comes around. Therefore, be generous, be kind, be merciful, be gracious, and be patient. We often think that we can fix things in life with harsh words or strong statements or impatient attitudes like, that'll teach him. But the gospel message is exactly not that. Don't live in the delusion that God forgives those who don't want to forgive. Don't be surprised then at the judgment of God. If you think you know the truth of God so well that you can condemn others, then it's only right that God uses the same truth to judge your life. Too often it has been the case that a pious Christian who has much to say about how others live is found out to be a great secret sinner himself. Too often that same fault lies very close at hand, doesn't it? Jesus' picture of a man with a board sticking out of his eye is funny. Just imagine it for a minute. You could make quite a cartoon of it, I think. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Imagine the cartoon in our mind's eye and laugh at the ridiculous situation. But when that cartoon has your face or mine in it, we don't think it too funny anymore. We actually get quite irritated. We won't appreciate the joke because by nature we have quite a rosy picture of ourselves and a bad one of our neighbors. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector comes to mind. Lord, I've done all these good things, and man, I'm glad I'm not a sinner like that guy over there. Paul teaches us in Romans 14 that we are not to be censorious like that. There are many things in the Christian life that we must make room for. There are many things, Paul says, hot-button issues that we shouldn't pursue. The eating of meat sacrificed to idols, that was a big issue. Clean and unclean foods, that was a big issue in Paul's day. The Sabbath observance, attitudes toward the Old Testament feast days, all these things were hot-button issues. Paul says, leave them alone. Don't condemn or judge your brother about them. Instead, display mercy, justice, faithfulness, kindness, patience, gentleness, and friendliness. Your brother, he is the Lord's servant. Let the Lord judge. Why do you judge your brother, Paul asks, or why do you look down on him? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. You, me, all of us, don't be in a hurry to condemn others. The measure you use will be measured to you. But notice that Jesus doesn't say, don't worry about the speck in your brother's eye. It's not your problem. No, not at all. 
That would go counter to all sorts of things that the, script, that the Scripture and the Lord teach. He says, take the log out first. Get the board out of your eye so that you can see clearly to help your brother get the bit out of his eye. Taking out the board is an act of humility. Repent from your own gross sins first. Then you will gently assist your brother in that very delicate operation of getting a speck out of his eye. And notice that as you prod into your brother's eye, his eye will be sensitive, sore, defensively blinking. That's what it's like. To get it out, you need to be very gentle, move very slowly, touch very lightly. You get the picture. Broad sweeping statements of condemnation will never get the speck out of someone's life. So notice he does not say that all critical commentary is out of bounds. Not at all. He says condemnatory attitudes display lack of Christian humility and grace. We may not criticize others with no self-critique first, no correction of others allowed, if we will not repent of our own sins before God. No word of admonition allowed without asking for the Holy Spirit to first work in our hearts and then further actively display the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In this word of bits and boards, Jesus is saying, don't be harsh, condemning, or censorious of others. Don't be hypocritical by condemning others and excusing yourself. Don't cast aspersion and impute bad motives on others. There is a proverb that says, faults are thick where mercy is thin. John Chrysostom, one of the church, the early church's greatest preachers, said of this text, correct the sinner, but not as an enemy, nor as an adversary, as one who must be punished, but as a doctor providing medicine, yes, even more, as a loving brother anxious to rescue and restore. Be as critical of others as you would have them be critical of you. Be as gracious to others as you would have them be gracious to you. And here we begin to anticipate what Jesus says in verse 12 of this chapter. The golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We come to our second point. Jesus has strong words for dogs and pigs. Scathing words, really, to call someone a dog or a pig. What are we to make of this? For here Jesus teaches his people to judge clearly, even to condemn. Disciples who are eager in a gracious way to correct brothers and sisters in their sin are also eager to convert others to the gospel. Unbelievers are the people most in need of help. They don't really have specks in their eyes. They are blind to the truth. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, that his disciples are to be gentle as doves that be of bits and boards. But we are also to be wise as serpents. He says, don't be stupid in your zeal for the gospel. There are those who will not have nor hear the word of God. Jesus wants us to be careful that we not too easily condemn. But he wants us not to easily say something that is holy when it is not. We live in a culture that is politically correct, 
the homosexual lobby will aggressively push its agenda wherever it can. A part of our society will push back whenever someone stands up for the rights of the unborn. And if you follow the news, then you will know what I mean. The government wants to pass a law that would protect the life of the unborn child if it be injured by a violent act against the mother. The abortion industry resists this. They don't want the unborn to have any rights for fear that if the unborn are designated any rights, the freedom to kill the unborn will be restricted in some way. And many Christians become afraid to speak out. They couch their terms. They no longer want to call homosexual activity as sodomy. They buy into the language of the gay lifestyle. Christian churches don't want to call it what it is. Same-sex marriage, many churches support it. They throw their pearls to pigs, holy things to dogs. They will call holy what is not and give ground on all sorts of moral fronts. This happens all over, but the church must stand firm. The word is uncompromising. Jesus did exactly this. He identified with sinners, with the weak and the lowly, with the poor, and they followed him. But he spoke boldly and uncompromisingly to the leaders of the church. He called them whitewashed tombs, hypocrites. They are those who make their converts twice as much a son of hell as they were. They who would not enter the kingdom and stop those from entering who were trying to enter. He called them blind fools, blind guides, men who swallow camels and strain out gnats. He said they were full of dead men's bones, their lives marked by the stink of spiritual death. Jesus was not politically correct, that's for sure. He tested the spirits of the day, and he called it like it was. So let's do the same. Follow Jesus, following Jesus, identify with sinners, be, be sympathetic and gracious and kind, and yet speak boldly against those who deny the gospel, who reject the word, and who are enemies of the cross of Christ. We must stand on biblical principles in this world. We might be considered to be difficult, assertive, and non-cooperative, but nowadays we are urged to find the middle ground. Who says you have a monopoly on the truth, someone will ask. Doctrine divides, people will say. Set doctrine aside, others will say. Don't be so strict. Don't be too critical of Islamic fundamentalism. Don't be judgmental of their fanaticism, people will say. If you do, you impinge on their rights, the human rights commissions of our country say. Don't be critical of same-sex marriage. Don't be critical of tax credits for pornography. Don't be critical of militant feminism. Don't think that you can tell others what the truth is. That's the propaganda of our age. Everyone has their own truth, so the church must, ac must accept it. But Jesus says, don't throw your pearls to pigs, your holy things to dogs. They'll just trample them underfoot. Your pearls won't appease them. They'll trample your treasure and turn to destroy you anyways. So here is the lesson we have learned from this gospel. On the one hand, 
bits and boards, don't be too quick to say that's sin. On the other hand, pigs and pearls, don't be too quick to say that's holy. No. Discern with grace and kindness your brother or sister's errors. Correct gently and kindly the errors of their ways. Do so in deep humility with no hypocrisy. But yet discern clearly who are the enemies of the gospel of the kingdom of Christ. Do not compromise the truth for even one moment, throwing away your treasure into the dirt, as if you could befriend the enemies of Christ by throwing away the gospel, for they will not befriend you. They turn and bite you, for they see no value in the good news of Jesus Christ. They will tear you to pieces. Both these lessons of bits and boards and pigs and pearls teach this one lesson. Discern carefully the truth in the lives of your neighbors. Uphold the truth to both. With gentleness and kindness to your brother. With boldness and faithfulness towards the enemies of the cross. Pigs and pearls, bits and boards, discern these clearly from the word of God. Amen.